Welcome to The Faithful Servant, a podcast reaching you in the midst of your battles where you can find hope, joy, wisdom, and healing. My name is Eric Howland, and at the end of the day, my hope is that I can hear the words, well done, my faithful servant. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faithful Servant Podcast. Uh, Before I introduce my guest today, I was uh, reading in Psalms um, here the other day in Psalm 1, and it gave an amazing picture of what a faithful servant um, really kind of looks like from a biblical aspect, and specifically verse 2 in Psalm 1 really hit me. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And when I think of my guest, one word I would use to describe him is he's a learner. Um, He has a desire to always keep learning in his career, but also in his walk with Jesus. And so let me introduce you all to Nolan Clausen. He's the owner of Midwest Movement in Elkhorn. So, Nolan, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for those kind words, I guess. Yeah. Um, Well, I I mean, I've gotten to know you over the last, what, year and a half, two years. And the one thing that I, you know, our conversations always kind of revolve around your just thirst for knowledge. If, it, if it's in the what you do from a career aspect to also right. just, you know, wanting to understand, you know, what a biblical life is. Yeah. So yeah. that that's what I uh, kind of pick up from you. Yeah, so. I, I definitely am. Uh, uh, the thirst for knowledge, the thirst for understanding why things work, the fir- thirst to understand what's going on behind the human body or even when it goes beyond uh like versus like I want to know exactly where what the context was behind all that and so uh, that's been awesome uh, relevant has helped us help me tremendously in that aspect with some of the uh, the sermons very much given that background so so let's dive into your background real quick um, just spend a quick minute here of you grew up in Ord, Nebraska, which yep. um, I challenge anyone to not use Google and find Ord. Um, <laughs> a quick story about me in high school. Um, we started north of Blair one Friday, or I think it was Friday or Saturday night, and we wanted to take country roads. That was our only focus, is whatever we do, we're taking country roads. Uh, we ended up in Ord, Nebraska from yep. Blair. That's pretty hard to do. That's a long drive. Yeah, it was about, about three a three, hours, yeah, three hour highway. trip. Um, and those of you who know my high school years from listening in, um, it was filled with a lot of um, hits of uh, weed and drinking lots yep. of beer. So to drive three hours, um, not sober, on country roads, um, and finding yourself in Ord, Nebraska, <laughs> um, that's my only. Uh, knowledge of Ord yeah. is driving on country roads to get there. Yeah. Um, but growing up in Ord, describe that for you. Uh, yeah, so uh, my parents moved there um, when I was five years old. Uh, I spent all of my uh, 
education educational years there um and my dad was the manager of the co-op so immediately we were immersed into um, the community because everybody had to know who the manager of the co-op was right um outside of the mayor it's the most important position it's pretty important <laughs> position uh and so growing up uh my dad i was the I don't know, like the unofficial hired hand that the co-op just gave out to different farmers, right? So from 10 years old, I was being hired out to different farmers, hauling pipe, uh, walking beans, uh, cleaning out uh, hog farm uh, waters. Uh, I did it all. Um, and I learned a lot doing that. Um, and it was definitely uh, a I've, we lived in town, but I felt, never felt like I was a city kid ever in my life. Well, Ord is not a city. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's 2,000 people, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but uh, living in Ord, um, the greatest sense of community. Um, I, I brag about Ord quite a bit. I, it's still like one of my favorite places to go. My parents no longer live there, uh, but we try to make it back a couple of times a year. Uh, the community aspect, everybody comes together, everybody helps each other. Um, it's growing. Um, everybody knows everybody, which sometimes isn't the greatest thing, especially when you're a high school kid, mm -hmm. but it also kept me out of a lot of trouble. Um, so yeah, um, I played all the sports because you had to. I also did all the activities in high school because you had to. I was on the show choir. I can't sing at all. I can dance maybe a little bit. Um, and for those of you out there, <laughs> Nolan is six five and like maybe two forty. Yeah, um, looks awkward. <laughs> show choir would you know? I can the I can only imagine the movie, right? Yeah, football player who ends up doing show choir. Right. That would be your picture of Nolan right now. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy. Um, we also like any student council any you know organization i was president vice president like for all of those um just because we had to there was i graduated with 40 kids in my class so yeah so then go on to college yeah so um i really wanted to play college um sports uh football um wasn't really on my radar but I, i'm six five and I was like 230 and lanky then, but everybody kept saying, oh, you got a football body. I really wanted to play basketball. Um, long of it is, or the short of the long is that uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, where I ended up going, was gonna let me play basketball and football. Um, so I went there. Um, didn't really wanna play football too badly, uh, but my dad convinced me to do it. Ended up loving football, played all four years. Uh, played my first two years in basketball. Um, that's when I kind of ran into my first adversity in life, I would say. I actually ended up quitting a basketball team, which I had never quit anything in my life. Um, and then my senior year, we got a new basketball coach and the team came out to, or came up to me and said, hey, we want you to come back out for the basketball team. So played basketball senior year there also got a degree in exercise science, um, uh, spent a lot of time in the exercise science world, uh, had an internship with the uh, chiropractors that were in Lincoln, 
um, and they were they were very pivotal in where I am now because they were chiropractors that were doing things much different than what chiropractors are normally known for. They were doing rehab, they were doing soft tissue work, they were dry needling, um, you name it, they were doing it. They weren't just adjusting people. And uh, I would say that's the, the main start of my career was at Westland. Okay, so, you know, when I think of a chiropractor, the first uh, thing that pops into my head is adjusting yeah. somebody's back right. and hearing the snap, crackle, and pop. Yeah. Um, but I will tell everyone out there, having gone to Nolan before, um, Nolan does not put a focus on making adjustments. Right. What's your focus? I would say our focus is just getting people better, uh, making the body function better. Um, adjusting is a really good tool. It's our best tool that we have as chiropractors. It's the one we spend the most time. We can make the quickest change. It's a great tool, but it's not for everybody. I always joke around that we have a redneck toolbox, right? And that redneck toolbox has two items in it. And the first item is WD-40. That's our adjusting. We get joints moving. We make them move better. Um, but the other one is duct tape. Uh, I feel like I'm a master at the red green show, you know, duct taping things together. Basically there's people in this world and there's different joints in your body that, um, need more mobilization, uh, or they don't need any mobilization at all. And they just need a ton of duct tape. Right. So, uh, a good example that comes to mind is gymnasts, right? Those like men and women can move all over the world and their bodies flex everywhere. They don't need a lot of joint mobilization. Their WD 40 fixes, they've been taken care of. They need a lot of duct tape. Um, and so that duct tape for us is rehab. Uh, doing exercises, trying to make sure that uh, we have control of those joints and control of our bodies in those uh, areas. And moving in the right direction, too, Correct. because I think, you know, being an, uh, someone who lifts on a regular basis yep. is um, it's not necessarily that any of my parts of my body need adjusting. It's my lifting as bad yeah. technique. And it's not moving in the most effective way, which yep. then causes all those issues. Yep. Um, so um, I want to dive in now um, to this one question and where we're going to go the rest of the time here is uh, in your just mindset, what is your definition of a faithful servant? Ooh, in my mindset. Uh, basically doing things with God at the center, right? Um, meaning lending that extra hand to somebody else with the purpose of this is what Jesus would do, right? Um, uh, basically using that as the premise of every decision you make in your life, like uh, would Jesus do this or what would Jesus do in this situation? Um, there's going to be multiple times or there is multiple times in my life where people make you mad um, and you don't give them grace, but then you have to reflect back on that and say, well, what would Jesus do in that situation? And being the most faithful servant would be following the best way that Jesus intended you to. Um, do you fall short of that? Absolutely. Daily, hourly, maybe. 
Um, I, I think, you know, it, the God-centered aspect and really focusing in on the decisions that we make, um, one aspect that I would hit on is being authentic. Yeah. And um, I think that's one aspect that I want to hit on here is all of your decisions got centered, right? Try to. Try to. Yeah. Is it hard in a workplace? Absolutely. Yeah. So what makes it challenging? Um, basically, the thoughts of, I mean, you're a business owner, making payroll, right? Um, there's thoughts of, uh, I know this person needs this. Uh, treatment. I know insurance doesn't coverage, cover this treatment, um, but I got to do this service so I can get payment for it, right? Uh, there's things like that that, you know, pull you away from God-centered, but trying to re-get back into that. Um, you know, there's, there's people that, like, I'm a stickler for doing exercises at home. Um, and I want people to be active in their care. There are pa patients that just come in, all they want you to do is you fix them, they're not actively involved in it, and it gets me angry at them um, sometimes, and I'm not showing them the grace. I don't always have the, the best insight what's going on in their personal life or why they wouldn't want to be an active participant in that. Um, so there's a lot of times I, I don't do that. Um, I would say loose talk also, like in the treatment room, that happens. You know? Without breaking any HIPAA laws, would describe loose talk. Uh, you know, gossip, uh, uh, talking illy about different people. You fall into it all the time. Uh, maybe some inappropriate jokes and things like that. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, I do apologize every time it happens. You know, it's not like. Patients usually dictate the, the way the conversation goes. Sometimes I got to dictate it back to center. Well, and I'll, I'll say this too, Nolan, is, you know, so everyone that's out there listening is Nolan's relationship with his patients is a very personal one as well, yeah. too. He, he has a very good rapport with people in general. So, you know, when, you know, it, it's, it's almost like a brotherhood type of relationship that you do have with yep. some of your clients. Um, so going back to some of the tougher decisions that you've had as a business owner, uh, do you make those decisions just on the fly or are you going back to that God-centered aspect each and every time? I wish I was God-centered on them. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, a lot of times it's it's not God-centered. There's a lot of times there's a decision, I gotta get it done, I gotta make this decision. I don't even stop to think about it, right? Um, there's a lot of times, like I just made a fairly big decision in our business yesterday, and I made the decision. I laid in bed all night last night just thinking like, gosh, I didn't even come to you. Like, I didn't even pray about it, I didn't even, like think about that decision. And so basically I asked for forgiveness for that, but also like 
there's still time to go back on that decision. Can you help guide me in that? So that happens probably, I would say daily. That one was a bigger example. There's a lot of smaller ones that I don't think about all the time, I guess. So how do you, um, how do you change that mindset, uh, specifically on the small ones? Practice. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to tie a, a string around my finger or something, but um, I feel like I've gotten better at it um, just by practicing. The more you do it, the easier it is. Um, I like the example of the more you practice it, the more you get better at hearing God's voice. Like it's like the if you're downstairs and your parents walk in and you know the different sounds of each person's footsteps because you're so used to hearing them. So the more you practice it, the better um, you're going to recognize, is this God talking to me? Is this God persuading that decision or is this just my own subconscious or my own thinking of it? Go back to your growing up and your work ethic being kind of farmed out to so many different people did you ever complain uh man or did you just you just did i just did back then i think i learned how to complain later in life (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fair i'm not gonna lie um so work ethic to me is a huge aspect of being a faithful servant because God asks us to, here's what I'm asking of you. Yeah. Now it's up to you to do it. So your work ethic when it comes to now living in today's work environment, have you noticed, is your work ethic what it used to be? Or uh, has it changed? It's different. Um, it's, it's a different work ethic, right? Uh, Growing up, a lot of that work ethic was grab the shovel and get dirty, right? Get get to it. A lot of what I do now is a lot of thinking, um, intellectual work ethic, more sitting there thinking through things, um, solving problems. I would say it changes in that aspect. I still would love to just like be able to pick up a shovel because it's easy. like. Go move that pile of dirt over there. Yeah, I can do that. Like, I'll get it done as fast as you want me to. Um, But I would say, like, that type of work ethic didn't require me to, per se, pursue God as much as this type of work ethic now that I have to have requires me to pursue God to help with decisions. Um I think my past experience of being able to, you know, go get jobs done and do it has helped me with this intellectual stuff. I don't think if I had that past experience, I would be able to do what I'm doing now and be, you know, uh, uh, struggling with the word, but wouldn't be doing it, I guess. Yeah. And your your business, Midwest Movement, is still fairly young in yeah. the grand scheme of things. How old, how long have you been doing this? Uh, we opened up our 
uh, office. The official open was January 2020, uh, the best time to open up a business. Um, yeah, it was, you know, 2020 was a crazy year. Um, we we're, you know, really excited to open up in January. Uh, there's a lot of things thrown at us. My, my wife, uh, we had our first kid March 9th of 2020 went into the hospital, world was fine, came out of the hospital, everything was shut down. It's crazy. Um, so that happened. My business partner, she had her second kid the end of March of that year. Um, and so it was a struggle, but we're still, we're still kicking. So now I want to tie back in what we just kind of discussed a little bit though too is you know that work ethic being an intellectual one and a thinking one now yeah. is because you're focused on growth right right and so when you think about those decisions in growing in the right way uh, one of the things that I've always remember back to some of my mentors is you want to grow carefully and they had to really explain that because I'm like, no, we want to grow 20, 25% every year. Right. Right. Why would you want to only grow 5%? Right. And I never understood why until um, we ran out of cash. <laughs> when we were growing 20 to 25, 30%, right. you run out of cash rather quickly because you need 30% more in cash right. to be able to grow 30%. Um, but there is a element of relying on God to move yeah, and to rely on him to lead the way. Uh, and now I'm fine with five, six, 7% growth. Mm -hmm. um, when you think of you're in your, you know, starting your fourth year here, uh, that reliance on God to grow your business. Um, what would you ask God for right now? I would ask him um, to calm my mind. Uh, basically, I do it. I actually ask this all the time. Uh, I'm a got a million thoughts in my head all at one time. Um, so I ask him to, to basically filter the ones that matter so that we can focus on the here and now, um, so that that growth happens carefully, right? Um, there's, when we first opened up, it was like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's try this, let's try this to grow, you know? And my mentor was always like, do you have a system in place for that? Hmm. No. Okay, you need to develop a system. Eh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm growing here, let's go, let's go. You need, do you have a system for this? No, 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 no. we're growing, we're gonna do fine. Um, so like the end of this last year and this year is really trying to backtrack and put these systems in place so that we can grow carefully. We, at, we grew faster than we had systems for. And so basically, I don't know if it's by design, but like 
we've had a slow couple weeks, you know, the cold weather and holidays, and I've gotten a lot of these systems put in place and started getting them. And, you know, I, I don't think anything happens for uh, coincidental. Like, so I'm looking back on this. I'm like, thank you, God. And like, you were, uh, you're, you slowed down my life so that I could get these systems in place so that we could grow. Um, and so there's been multiple times in owning a business that I'm looking back like I was absolutely God having his hand in what was going on at that moment. I didn't have a realization. I may have been frustrated with what was going on at that time. But looking back, it was like, holy crap, thank you. Thank you for putting your hand in there and intervening when it was necessary. And that's, I would say, well, the the beginning of our um, business in 2020, there was a, a big godlike moment. Um, we started paying ourselves in 2019 off of our line of credit that we got from the bank, thinking we would be open in September of 2019. Uh, so we started paying ourselves quarter four of 2019. We get to opening our business and we're like, we're running out of funds fast. We need to not pay ourselves, right? Had no idea what the future held, right? And then March, uh, COVID and all that. So we had to shut down our business for one month because um, we were struggling. We weren't getting patients in. We were just trying to mitigate all costs at that time. And then EIDL loans came in, grants came in, uh, which we wouldn't have gotten, or the PPP loans, we wouldn't have gotten those if we didn't pay ourselves in quarter four of 2019. Um, like, again. Smart decision. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like a smart decision. It was a stupid decision, but that God had his hand in. Like, that didn't happen. That wasn't a coincidence. Um, and by June, we were down to like our last $25 in our bank account. And basically all those funds came in all at the same time. Uh, we used some of the PPP loans to pay ourselves. Some of the grants, we, we uh, were like, oh great, this is gonna save us. Insurance checks started coming in from the previous months of being open. Uh, and we didn't actually end up needing to even touch the grant loan. So we wrote a check back to those grants trying to give it back and because we thought we would have to pay them back and they gave it right back to us and so there's so many things that were like holy crap that was god intervening if you could look back over the last four years that one moment where you had to fall on your knees and completely rely yeah can you picture what that time was yeah it was June of 2020. Just uh, having the $25. Yeah. Um, I remember going home just like bawling, uh, crying to my wife, and just like, we're going to have to go bankrupt. We're going to have to close the business. We're going to have to try to sell it off. I'm going to start looking for other jobs. Um, and I remember just going, God help us. Like, how do we get through this time? And that was pretty recent in my walk with Christ too. Um, that was when I, the month before was when I joined men's group. 
I knew things were getting rocky at that point and I knew I needed to be around other Christ followers. Um, and that's when I started learning how to pray to God. Um, because before then it was just like our father who art in heaven, like there was no conversation, no relationship. And, um, but I mean, yeah, June, I definitely was on my knees at his mercy. Yeah, the 2020, um, I think there were a lot of small business owners. I know for myself, I when I heard the news, I sat on the edge of my bed bawling my eyes out, telling God, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I've been through too much. Yeah. And it, it was time for me to just up and quit, and God had other plans for me. Um, so one of just kind of overview here in just listening to you nolan um god centered god's timing um and the need for community support are some of the things that i heard in your story of being a faithful servant but the overwhelming thing that i think i heard more than anything is and I, I, I want everyone out there to really listen in on this, is here is a man who, in my opinion, Nolan, you are the epitome of a faithful servant from my interaction with you over the last couple of years. Um, but here is a man who has admitted numerous times that he's not meeting his standards of what God is asking of him. Um, And he's falling short. That doesn't diminish who Nolan is as a faithful servant at all. It actually lifts that up into being a true, authentic, faithful servant. Because in my opinion, one of the greatest things of a faithful servant is going back to what I initially described you as as a learner yeah someone who's faithful sticks through it even when they fail a faithful servant is someone who when times get tough they know where they need to go and so in your whole story has, you know, over the last four years of where you started to where you are now, um, it's the epitome of putting your trust in God, even though you may fail on putting your trust in God from time to time. You might make your own decisions, but a faithful servant understands that maybe down the road, God's going to change your decisions back to what he wants and you don't deny them again. Correct. Yeah. Um, So for everyone out there listening, I want you to really hear what Nolan has said here today is just because you fail and you fall short of what you think God is asking of you, God's looking down at you, Nolan, and anyone out there and saying, well done, my faithful servant, because you're relying on me. Yeah. 
You might not always do it, but at the end of the day, you keep coming back. And that's what I think is that thing is, you know, we delight in the Lord. We delight in his law for us. We meditated on it day and night. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in this. And I've talked over the last couple of weeks on how, yeah, it has an employer and how we treat employees. Being a faithful servant and how God wants us to treat people, I have failed numerous times. My arrogance and my pride gets in the way of what God wants. But God is so quick to correct me. Um, so remember when you're going through those challenges as a business owner, as someone who is striving to be a faithful servant, it's okay to fail because God is still saying, well done, my faithful servant.